Hello, CFL fans. My name is Jack, and thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of No Fair Catch, the world's only independent Canadian football league podcast. Today, I'm going to be addressing the age-old CFL question, which is, does running the ball really matter? I mean, in a three-down league where teams normally only have two offensive plays to try and advance the ball to get another first down, is it worth it to run the ball up the gut in hopes of getting a five- or six-yard carry when the alternative is throwing the ball twice in hopes of gaining ten yards total? You could definitely make a strong argument for that. But then at the same time, there's lots of old-school football fans who argue that running the ball is everything. Running the ball gives you the power to manage the game, to keep the clock running when you're ahead, to wear down your opponents. But is it worth it? Is there a correlation between running the ball and winning games in the Canadian Football League? After all, this is a unique league with unique rules and unique strategies. Well, today, I'm going to take a hard look at this issue and come up with a proper answer. Does running the ball in the CFL really matter? Here we go. I want to start getting into the numbers. If you're not there already, please go to my blog, with the address being www.nofaircatch.blogspot.com. Please refer to the blog post entitled Podcast 3, Is Running the Ball Really Worth It in the CFL Today? In the post, you're going to see a list of numbers and complicated lists, and I'm sure you're thinking right now, Jack, what could these possibly mean? Football is a game of inches and angles and passion and intangibles. It's not a game of numbers, but I can assure you that these numbers do, in fact, play an important role in Canadian football today, and they're going to help me prove my point in my editorial today. If you're referencing my lists, you'll see that I've taken the last five seasons worth of rushing statistics in the Canadian Football League and compiled them into five year-by-year lists, beginning with the 2007 season and ending with this past year, the 2011 season. I've highlighted different teams in each year, two being underlined and two being bolded and italicized. The two teams that are listed in every single year as the underlined teams are the teams that competed in the Grey Cup, or, you know, in other words, were the two best teams in the CFL for that given year. The two teams that are bolded and italicized, however, were the two teams from that given year who failed to make the playoffs, or in other words, were the two teams who were the worst teams in the Canadian Football League for that given season. After arranging the teams from 1 to 8, with 1 being the most rushing yards and 8 being the fewest rushing yards, I assigned each of these teams a point total, with the top team being given a 1 and the lowest team being given an 8. The reason for this was because between 1 and 8 would have to be a mean score of 4.5. With that mean score determined, I would be able to break the teams down categorically, as in non-playoff teams, playoff teams, and Great Cup teams, and see how they compare to the league average for rushing yards thus determining how successful a team is compared to their rushing yards and hopefully seeing a trend, such as teams in the Great Cup having statistically more or less than average rushing yards. What I found was completely underwhelming in every way, shape, and form. With the average score being 4.5, I was able to determine that the teams that scored highest in rushing yards, statistically, on average over the past five seasons, were non-playoff teams who averaged a score of 4.3. Grey Cup teams, meanwhile, finished with a score of 4.4 on average over the past five seasons, with playoff teams, as in teams that made the playoffs but failed to reach the Grey Cup game, scored an average of 4.8. 
With these scores all failing to venture very far from the league average of 4.5 points over the past five seasons, it's impossible to justify saying that running the ball is going to help your chances of winning a Grey Cup or hinder them simply because everybody seems to be too close to the average. The only really interesting thing I think I take away from this initial analysis of the raw rushing data is the variance within non-playoff teams on the list and the non-variance between the Grey Cup teams on the list. Just take a look at the numbers. We know from our data that teams who fail to make the playoffs or reach the Grey Cup game rush the ball slightly more effectively than the other four teams in the league who make the playoffs but fail to reach the Grey Cup game. Let's take a look at our Grey Cup teams first. There's very little variance between where they finish on the list. No team that ever made the Grey Cup over the past five years finished 7th or 8th, or in other words, at the very bottom, of the CFL in overall rushing. Yet none of these teams ever led the league in rushing. The only two that came close were the Montreal Alouettes of 2009 and the Calgary Stampeders in 2008. On the flip side, our non-playoff teams have a ton of variance. Every year, with the exception of 2010, where the Edmonton Eskimos and Winnipeg Blue Bombers both failed to make the playoffs but finished very high on the rushing list, there was always at least one team that finished in the bottom two in the league in rushing. So from that, without looking at anything averaged out, you might say that teams that don't run the ball well in the CFL lose more games. Well, it's kind of hard to justify that when you look at the fact that over the past five years, twice the team that led the CFL in rushing also failed to make the playoffs, with those two teams being the Toronto Argonauts of this past year and the Hamilton Tiger Cats of 2008. So without any data really supporting the fact that teams that run the ball more or less win more or less games, for a brief moment I considered giving up on this concept for a podcast. After all, the data wasn't supporting any type of logical reasoning. There wasn't any correlation between running the ball and winning games. But just like Leonardo DiCaprio and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I decided to go deeper. I needed to find the next level of statistics, and what I found will shock you. Now, when we as football fans think of running the ball, we imagine running backs getting the ball from the quarterback in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a pitch, a handoff, whatever, and taking the ball up the field. However, the truth is, in the CFL, given our 65-yard wide fields, the task of running the ball isn't merely something that belongs to the running back. It also belongs to the quarterback. Aha! What if we reanalyze the rushing statistics over the past five years from the Canadian Football League, and instead of just looping all the raw rushing data together, what if we broke it down between players who were non-quarterbacks and players who were quarterbacks. So what I did then was take all the rushing statistics from each CFL team from each of the past five seasons and calculated how many quarterback rushing yards each team had. From that, I took those figures and divided them by that given team's total rushing yards for that one season thus creating a percentage of rushing yards that was accumulated by just quarterbacks for that team in that given season. And here's where the numbers really started to show a trend. Over the past five seasons, quarterbacks on average across the CFL have accounted for 23.95% of league rushing. On teams that failed to make the playoffs, quarterbacks averaged a slightly larger output percentage-wise than teams that made the playoffs or won the Grey Cup, with 24.8% of their rushing yards coming from quarterbacks. As for teams that made the playoffs but failed to win the Grey Cup, those teams had just 22.7% 
40% of their total rushing yards accounted for by quarterbacks. So what exactly does this mean? So far, it really doesn't mean much, to be perfectly honest. It just means that teams that don't do quite as well in the standings have their quarterbacks account for a slightly larger percentage of their rushing yards than other teams. Meanwhile, teams that make the playoffs but fail to win the Grey Cup have a slightly lower percentage of their rushing yards accounted for by their quarterbacks. Well, here's the final statistic that I'm going to be basing a lot of my conclusion on. Teams that won the Grey Cup over the past five seasons, I'm talking about the 2007 Rough Riders, the 2008 Calgary Stampeders, the 2009 and 2010 Montreal Alouettes, and the 2011 BC Lions, their quarterbacks averaged an output that accounted for 29% of that team's overall rushing yards for those championship seasons. That's a whopping 5% more than the league average. So what can we conclude from these numbers so far? Well, we know that quarterbacks that rush the ball more percentage-wise than quarterbacks who don't either win the Grey Cup or they don't make the playoffs. So what exactly does this mean? We have two completely opposite outcomes, yet somehow the same means of getting there. Well, hold on. I have one more small set of statistics to share with you. Confused by the success and failure of quarterbacks who percentage-wise run the ball more than quarterbacks who don't, I decided to look into the passing numbers of these quarterbacks. How well were these quarterbacks throwing the ball? Why were they taking off running? Was it because they had openings and they were free to improvise and were able to efficiently run the ball? Or was it because they were taking off simply because they didn't find any receivers to pass the ball to? Well, this last set of statistics will show you that. Over the past five years, non-playoff teams have averaged per season 4,278 passing yards. Not a very good output for passing yards in the Canadian Football League. Over 18 games, if you want to have a winning season and have a chance of winning the championship, you really need to be putting out more than 4,200 yards per season through the air. On the flip side, let's take a look at the teams who made the Grey Cup game. Not won the Grey Cup game, but participated in that wonderful game that takes place at the end of every November in our nation. Those teams, the teams that made the Grey Cup, averaged 5,213 yards per season over the past five years through the air. 5,200 yards. That is a 1,000 more on average than teams who failed to make the playoffs. Now, you may be wondering, why am I talking about passing yards? Isn't this podcast supposed to be about how rushing yards play into the success of CFL teams? Well, yes, don't get me wrong. I'm getting there. In my initial findings, I found that teams who had quarterbacks who ran percentage-wise more than teams who had quarterbacks who ran less percentage-wise either failed to make the playoffs or won the Grey Cup. This passing statistic, however, changes the way that we have to look at that statistic. After all, the teams who were not making the playoffs had quarterbacks who were taking off with the ball a lot to run, but not moving it down the field. These weren't quarterbacks who were stars in the CFL. These were quarterbacks who were taking off because they couldn't find receivers down the field. I'm talking about guys like Jared Sabransky, Quentin Porter, Casey Printers, Ryan Dinwiddie, Richie Williams. These are quarterbacks who have come and gone in the CFL because they're not able to move the ball down the field. These are not the guys you want leading your team. Sure, they'll take off and get you some rushing yards, but they're not going to win you games. They're not going to get you to the playoffs, and that's because they're not able to throw the ball. Yet the same way that the stats condemn the quarterbacks of teams who failed to reach the playoffs, they also elevate the way that we should look at teams who won the Grey Cup. 
These quarterbacks not only passed for an average of 5,200 yards per season, but these quarterbacks also accounted for an unprecedented 29% of their team's rushing totals for their given season where they won the Grey Cup. And truthfully, we shouldn't be surprised that these players were successful when we look at their names as opposed to their statistics. I'm talking about Kerry Joseph in Saskatchewan in 2007 who won the MOP award. I'm talking about Henry Burris in 2008 with the Calgary Stampeders. I'm talking about Anthony Calvillo, who is a very underrated scrambler, by the way, in 2009 and 2010 with the Montreal Alouettes. And of course, 2011 MOP, reigning ginger MOP, Travis Lule of the BC Lions. These are all players who can move the ball down the field. They're players who can get the ball in the air and into the hands of their dangerous weapons they have at slot back and wide receiver. Yet, they're also free to take off and run. Unlike the quarterbacks previously named, these quarterbacks don't use running the ball as an excuse or a crutch in any way. They don't use it as a way to avoid throwing the ball down the field where they're afraid of throwing an interception. These are the guys who use running the ball as an extra weapon, an extra dimension of their game that they can use effectively to help their team win championships. So, we originally broke down our teams into three categories. Those categories were non-playoff teams, teams who made the playoffs but failed to win the Grey Cup, and teams that made it to the Grey Cup game or won the Grey Cup. And now, now that we've crunched the numbers, we can also apply loose titles to each of these categories of teams that I think reveal a lot about what you need to be successful in the CFL game. For the teams that failed to make the playoffs, a lot of them had quarterbacks who can run but can't throw. These are guys with fast legs but no perception of exactly how CFL defenses work, who don't have accurate arms, who are not able to survive in the CFL long term. Hence the uh, the Jared Sabransky, Casey Printers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, references. The second category, teams that made the playoffs, I'm talking about teams who have guys like Ricky Ray, who hasn't been a good scrambler since his last championship in 2005. Guys like Kevin Glenn, guys like Michael Bishop, guys who have pretty decent arms. Well, I'm giving Michael Bishop the, uh, the benefit of the doubt here. But guys who have pretty good arms who are not able to scramble effectively or move the ball or use that as an added dimension of their game. And for teams who are winning championships, who have won championships and will continue to win championships, I'm talking about guys like Travis Lule and Drew Tate in coming seasons. I'm a huge Drew Tate fan in case you haven't noticed already. But these are guys who have the intelligence to throw the ball down the field, who have the ability to take off when pressure's on and use their legs as an added weapon, not as a crutch, not something that replaces passing the ball, but they can use it as an added element to threaten the defense. So, back to our original question. Is running the ball in the CFL worth it? Is it relevant? Does it help you win championships? And the answer, simply, is no. There is no correlation between teams winning championships, winning games, finishing higher in the standings, and running the ball more. What does impact your team's ability to win games is your quarterback's ability to move the ball with his feet. If he's able to pass the ball effectively, because that is more important than running, as has been shown by many of the teams who have failed to make the playoffs over the past five years, and move the ball effectively with his feet, then there's a good chance that he's going to help you get to a Grey Cup and maybe even win it. So we're seeing a trend now in the CFL that I think is here to stay. We're seeing teams shy away from older, high-paid running backs and instead going with young kids. 
even Canadians a lot of the time. And I love this motion personally. I think that it's been proven time and time again in football. You know, look no further than the Mike Shanahan years in Denver. That if you slap even just a decent running back behind a good offensive line and a good blocking scheme, they'll be able to run the ball successfully against the defense. And in the CFL, as has been proven by the statistics unveiled in this podcast, you don't need a good running game coming from your running back in order to win a championship. So getting back to our four veteran running backs who are now free agents in the CFL, are they going to get work again? Well, personally, I'd say that that's irrelevant. If you want to win in today's CFL, get away from the import running backs. Get away from the old school running systems that don't benefit you in the standings. Find a young quarterback with a great arm who can run the ball and has the intelligence to learn the CFL game and groom them to be a starter because you just might find the next Travis Lule, Anthony Calvillo, Henry Burris, somebody who's going to win you a championship because aside from the rushing yards that your quarterback is going to get, running the ball in the CFL doesn't really matter. I'm Jack. This is No Fair Catch. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you again next Tuesday.